0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass caught, Wandao, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots a defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: This week it was about everybody staying calm no matter what the situation is. Falling back on your training, doing your job, just executing with speed and nobody panicking, nobody worrying, just going out and playing. On the entire sideline, I didn't see anybody panic, I didn't see anybody worry. I'm really happy for the guys to overcome what they overcame. We just don't want to put ourselves in that spot right Oscars
0: Huskers line up two to the near side. Shotgun snap, zone read. Adrian pulls it back, flips it out to the flat jack, Stoll, wide open, walks in there, touchdown Nebraska! Beautiful fake that time. Nobody picked up Stoll leaking out in the flat. Adrian hit him with a quick flip, and the Oscar's on the board.
1: Cam's one of those guys that I'd take with me in any game. He'll battle with you. He's a great teammate, he wasn't 100% for sure, but made a much plays for us, including that interception that was big.
0: Brandon Peters lowers the hand, gets the shotgun snap, back to throw. Looks, holds, has plenty of time. Plenty of time, now guns it downfield, and the pass is going to be intercepted off at the 10-yard line by Cam Tanner Britt. He's to the 20 and gets up to the 21-yard line. Cam Tanner Britt's second pick of the year, and there's a turnover forced by the black shirts.
1: We got a real guy there, not just from a talent perspective, but from a heart perspective. He wanted the ball. He wanted to take over that game. In a lot of ways, he did. I'm glad he's uh, wearing scarlet cream.
0: Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass caught, Wandao, first down, gets on the 20, 15, shoots a defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, Dale Robinson's first touchdown as
1: a Cornhusker. I hear the whispers, he's tentative, he's not playing well, nobody's going to be saying that after the night with the way he ran and finished the game, so can he still get better? Yeah, can I still get better? Yeah, can the team get better? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Kid's a winner. He's a great player, and he'll continue to lead us.
0: is in there. He's off to the left of Adrian. The triangle formation of the near side. JD split out left. They look left, back to throw is Adrian, he could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon, he's to the five, he lays out, he's in! That's a two-point play for Nebraska and they've tied this game in champagne at 35 apiece! I think it was a shift in, in mindset for our guys, just being steely-eyed, confident and, and sticking to it. We knew if we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot, we were going to be able to drive it on them and I think we got to that point in the second half. High snap to Adrian, turns, gives it off to Neal Robinson and he is in, touchdown! Nebraska has the lead! for the first time tonight.
2: It's just one of them things where we kind of know, like, we got to put the fire out. We've been talking about putting the fire out all year. I mean, we got the chance. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, if we want to be a great, uh, great defense and one of the best defense, we got we got to do that. We got to live for moments like that. So, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, I want our offense to always be able to feel like that. If they put the defense out there in the game, the defense will get it done. So, I'm just happy and
1: thrilled that we are able to get it done.
0: Peters gets the knee-high snap, back in the pocket, gets hit, throws down field, passes incomplete. And intended for Sydney. The ball sailed over him. Sydney wants a PI. There's no flag. Huskers will take over on downs at the 20 yard line, and Illinois out of timeout. What a football game.
2: You already know, everybody going to dial in, focus more than ever. We got one of the best teams in the country coming in. So that day, you know, we got to protect the house, you know what I'm saying? So we can't go out there and, and put
1: up a bad performance. We got to make, we really got to be our best performance of the year thus far. It's going to be a big game for both sides. I mean, we got to prepare to win, and we got to have a mindset to win. I'm so excited for this opportunity. This means so much to this program, and this could be a huge, huge momentum shift for generations to come. It's a game like this where we could prove to a great that we're here, and I think it's going to be a great, great, you know, momentum shift for our program after this.
0: Wow, what a night it was in Champaign. It had a little bit of everything. The Huskers was 690 yards of offense. They were over 70 before the kneel downs at the end of the game, but 11 penalties, four turnovers. Whew. Just had it all in there, but thank goodness it ended up on the right way for Nebraska as they come out of there with a conference opening victory, snapping the eight-game losing streak on the road, and improved to 3-1 and on the season. Welcome to another week of Sports on it. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. Ben still working on his game day signs, but he does have some time for us tonight, uh, for a few minutes anyway, to recap what was just a wild Saturday night in Champaign. I I was... Plum tired when that thing got over. Just exhausted.
2: I was tired when I was got home. That's because it was after 3:00 three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, man, there was so much in that game. It's hard to really figure out where to start. You know, when you when you talk about your thoughts of the game, and you know, I've talked to obviously a handful of people since the game was over, and, and I feel like everybody I talked to had a different take on the game, and we addressed a different different part to that to that game ultimately you get to the end which was nebraska won and this is an entirely different conversation this is an entirely different show if nebraska doesn't hang on for that win i mean i i don't even want to i'll take my mind to the place where we would all be right now if that road losing streak had continued and we we're getting ready to play the buckeyes so i don't want to go there they won the game they went there to to go play and win that's what happened um proud of the defense for getting that big stand there at the end we've seen so many drives the last few years in that situation that result in a touchdown and you know another heartbreak for the huskers i'm thinking back to northwestern last year um i mean even colorado this year to an extent you go down and get that touchdown and and either get it tied or, or get the lead away from you um it's it's a really tough pill to swallow and you know, I give a lot of credit to the Huskers for uh, specifically the defense. Now, it, you don't want to point fingers at the offense for putting – I know the the final stats say 690, but they had 701 total yards of offense. I'm not counting the kneel downs at the end. Um, to put up 700 yards of offense, it's hard to point fingers at them, but they need to stick that in the end zone on the 6-inch yard line and erase all doubt. That's nitpicking, kind of. I mean, it, it could have it resulted in, in losing the football game, but – I would have loved to see just a quarterback sneak, get that thing in the end zone. They're not stopping Adrian Martinez four straight times from the six-inch yard line. Uh, just get that thing in, ice it. Didn't happen, but the defense made a huge play. And, boy, the, the the pass defense was unbelievable all night. And Peters had a heck of a time other than that first throw that he made to Emad Bebe, which was a beautiful throw sure right, right there in the end zone, 26-yarder. Uh, he didn't do anything all night through the air. So big-time kudos to the Huskers secondary and to the pass rush as well. Were, he was 9-23.
0: 9-23 of 23 throwing the football. He only got 78 yards through the air for Illinois. Back to the offense, the turnovers were a huge issue, and it was why the game was close was the turnovers as Illinois gets 21 points off turnovers. And after a week where Nebraska only committed one penalty, and that was in uh, the special teams penalty for the batted ball against Northern Illinois, Nebraska has 11 of them, and they were huge at different points in time in the game. But to be able to overcome four turnovers, 11 penalties, pretty impressive and just think about if you can clean up the turnovers Nebraska would have scored a heck of a lot of points in that
2: game 42 is good but they would have had a heck of a lot of points in that game yeah I mean had Nebraska not won the the ultimate question was going to be and and I was talking about this with a buddy yesterday had the result been different and and Nebraska lost by four instead of one by four or whatever is is the conversation today as simple as turning the ball over and I think it is yeah I I think it truly is Um, you know of all the other things that happened in that game, I I truly truly believe that the turnovers had probably an influence of twenty eight points in that football game. I I, I truly believe that. Um, and so you can't I mean you can't take that away. You can't just say well they didn't you know, have did. but they did. And Illinois scored, so you, so that that's part of it. But you also tell me that you know you fumble three times inside your own forty yard line, once at the two yard line, and uh, and win the game, I'm saying, wow, dodged a bullet. And then you throw the eleven penalties on top. That's not and, and mo Berry, I don't I don't think it was in the montage there, but it said it after the game. He goes he goes, it, it can be hard to win a football game when you make that many mistakes. But good teams find ways to win those games and, and Nebraska won the game, got on the plane, got home and now get the that'd be by far No doubt. They're playing great. But we can save Ohio State for for a
0: little bit later time. All right. So, uh, Love, get your input tonight. 866-HOSKER-1, 866-487-5371. It was press conference day. We'll hear some clips. From Scott Frost a little bit later on in the hour, it's Mondays with Matt. He'll join us at the top of hour number two. We'll have our weekend rewind at the top of hour number three. And we'll also check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. We'll check out the national scene of college football. Some pretty odd things that happen over the weekend. UCF gets beat, a big win for USC Friday night that Adam viewed in person at the Coliseum. Uh, some just interesting things that have happened uh, in college football just in the last couple of days. Earlier today, Scott Frost did hold his weekly press conference and right out of the gate was asked about Wandale Robinson. If, and if they knew, if the coaches knew, that he would be able to be this big of a contributor in his freshman year.
1: We could tell we had a special one in Wandale right away um, when he got here last spring. Um, he, he'd had a couple injuries through spring and fall camp, so I'm not sure we completely saw everything that he could do. Um, but we kind of knew it was a matter of time before he became one of those guys that uh, could be a real weapon for us. It, it was good to see that happen Saturday.
0: And then the coach, Ben, was asked, uh, he, he kind of re- referenced this after the game, that that Wandale told him a couple times, give me the ball. I want the ball. I want to I want to take us to a win. Here's, a, here's the coach's response to that.
1: We talked all week about uh, our team's response to tough situations since I've been in Nebraska. And it, it seems like we haven't been at our best um in tight spots or when the pressure's on so that was the message all week Uh, i wanted guys that could keep their heads stay calm do their job no matter what the situation we found ourselves in one of those situations and uh, two or three times he came up to me and he said i got you give me the ball i got you and he stayed calm did his job and did it really well
2: it was amazing seeing him after the game uh just he's a great personality and obviously very excited after that game. But, you know, he said something to us in the in the locker room show that, you know, felt just like high school again. And, <laughs> and it's such a, a, probably a breath of fresh air for a player like that. You know, you're, you're getting hit a lot harder. Everything's a lot faster. And it probably doesn't even feel like the same game. And everybody was a star in high school, especially Wandale Robinson. Uh, but to get a little of that back and get that same swag and just the, that confidence that, yeah, this might be college, but I can still dominate this game just like I did in high school. That's a big thing for a freshman to, to take on your on your shoulders, you know, for a guy who really hadn't he hasn't had to do it. No. But to just flip that switch on in the middle of the game going, okay I'm right back in my wheelhouse, and what I used to do to high school teams all the time is pretty impressive. Benny had 19 carries in the game, way more than he'd had. I don't think he had 19 the first
0: three weeks combined, and he caught the football eight times. So 27 touches for him in that game. He had 89 yards on the ground and 79 through the air. That's a pretty good effort by a freshman. Okay, the quarterback. Um, Adrian really kicked it up a notch in the second half of the game uh, on Saturday night. Here's the coach talking about what he saw from his quarterback.
1: You know, I don't know. I know he he played really hard uh, for the majority of that game uh, ran like I expect him to run with some tough runs and, and big plays for us, uh, especially down the stretch. Um, you, you know, you, you shouldn't ever need anybody to tell you to play as hard as you can. And uh, I don't think Adrian does, but I, I definitely uh, saw the Adrian that I expected to see for the majority of that game and I don't expect to see anything else going forward.
0: And following that up, the head coach was asked, how do you keep Adrian's play consistent week in and week out through and throughout the game?
1: You know, I think he, he needs to understand that it's not always going to be a perfect play, and there's a lot of plays for every offense uh, where it doesn't work out exactly like you expected to work out, and, and good players still go make something happen. And But you have to be decisive and playing fast to have that happen, and uh, I thought he was a lot more decisive with his reads, and Took off with it better when he needed to. Still made some really good throws and had a had a really good game for us.
0: Ben, I thought he was phenomenal. 118 yards on the ground, 22 of
2: 34 through the air for 327. No picks. I thought he was phenomenal. Yeah, it started slow. Started a little slow, but again, when it comes time to to rise into the occasion and make a play, uh, you know he he did it. And and I again that goes. I go back to the Colorado game a little bit, and I would love to see that Adrian Martinez turned loose in overtime and and say, go make us a play. Uh, Unfortunately, that that didn't happen. That game's long gone. But you you see what happens when they put the ball in his hands. You know, good things happen. He popped a huge run there at the end of the game to get Nebraska down all the way inside the 20. And, you know, he made some pretty big-time plays on, on Saturday night. Sure did. And uh, they'll need a lot of that out of him this Saturday against Ohio State.
0: All right, this hour, uh, Mondays with Matt coming up here in just a second. We're trying to lock him into the system right now. Uh, we'll then have some phone calls. We'll, we'll take some more calls. Love your input on the game. Had some great calls in hour number one. We'll continue that. And we'll continue to uh, play some of the clips from today's press conference with Scott Frost. We got him? We got him. Let's do it. Time now for the weekly breakdown.
3: What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference
0: with color analyst and former national champion
3: all the games played for this historic program all the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime and we've seen the best one here today against the top 10 team
0: it's mondays with matt Davison on sports nightly well i don't know
3: about you i was exhausted after
0: that game ended on saturday there was a lot in that thing
3: yeah man it was all over the place one of the craziest games i can remember in a while didn't look good for a lot of the game but the guys hung in there it was by the end obviously it was a, a really happy locker room a lot of happy tears it was it was fun and the guys found a way did a lot of things wrong throughout the game with penalties and turnovers but in the end they made enough plays and racked up a lot of yards on offense and defense stepped up at times to give us some big stops and and so, overall, you know, in the end, it's a win. Uh, maybe not as pretty as we wanted it to be, but but still a momentum boost going into this week for sure.
0: Big uh, coming out party for Wandale Robinson. Your thoughts about him?
3: He's just dynamic. He's so skilled and gifted, and and we knew it. We knew when we recruited him. We knew it uh, since he's been here. And you know, Saturday was really the first time that he got enough touches to get into a groove and and really make some things happen. He, he's made some plays throughout the year, but Saturday he had to carry more of the load because of injuries. And so he was a running back, wide receiver. Um, every time he touches it, he has a chance to, to do great things with it. He'll make you miss. Um, and I think we saw his toughness too. Uh, he was running into contact and getting yards after contact. And, and um, man, he was just really impressive. We're lucky to have him, and he's just a freshman.
0: Speaking of toughness, is there a tougher guy on the team than J.D. Spielman?
3: Well, he's another small guy that's really tough, too. He and Wandale aren't the biggest guys out there, obviously, but they're both really tough. Uh, J.D. knew he was going to get hit on all those plays pretty much, and none of them were called targeting. But it, it looked like at times he was a defenseless player, as they call it now. And, and he took some shots, but he keeps getting up. He's done it his whole career. He's taken big hits across the middle multiple times. Saturday night, a physical game, and he took a bunch of big hits and kept getting up and getting back in the game. He's He's a warrior.
0: Defensively, um, you hold a team on the road to under 300 yards, 78 through the air. There there were some good things defensively, too, weren't there?
3: For sure. I mean, the, the offense put them in a bad spot multiple times. Field position was, was never good uh, from a defensive perspective. Uh, they had the ball at the two-yard line. They had it at the 34. They constantly had the ball at the 35 or 40 after kickoffs. And so they had, I think, six or seven three and outs, which is really good. But yet the field position was never in our favor because special teams weren't great to us at times. And but there's no question you look at it, and there there were a lot of good things defensively. Um, you'd like to cause another turnover or two, but at the same time I thought they tackled well. They had the one bust on the first drive, and then they gave up a good drive to start the second half. And other than that, it was it was pretty good, and they they uh, bailed out the offense at times too. So. You know, I, I think they're, they're playing really good football on that side of the ball. We're good up front. Secondary's good. Linebackers are running, making plays. So I think there's a lot of positive to take out of it. If you just look at the points allowed on the scoreboard, I don't think that told the story on Saturday.
0: Matt, the, week, the Northern Illinois game, there was only one penalty in the game, and it was by the special teams, 11 Saturday night. This team has not really shown doing that. Were we hoping that that was just an oddity on Saturday?
3: Well, we're hoping that for sure, right? I mean, it's too many, and you're not going to beat good teams with that many penalties, typically. And you put the penalties with the turnovers, and you're definitely not going to win very many games. So, you know, you hope that they get better at that. It was it was a strange game, I thought, through the officiating. Um, some calls that were questionable, a flag that was picked up. I mean, there were some weird things uh, with the fumbles and, and different things that were reviewed and kind of a weird flow to the game. But... You know, again, each week is different, but but you want to be a disciplined team. You can't hold. You can't do some of the things that we did uh, on Saturday night and be a good team. So we have to clean it up. That's definitely something that we're, we've talked about already this week.
0: Okay, let's turn the page. State week, they look terrific through the first uh, month of the season. What, what have you seen? What do you expect to see Saturday night from the Buckeyes?
3: Well, they're really good. Obviously, they're really good on both sides of the ball. They do. Uh, a lot of good things. They have great players. They're well coached, both sides of the ball. Um, offensively, they have an answer for just about anything you want to do defensively and and then defensively, they get after your quarterback. Uh, they run and tackle well. They, uh, they have good guys in secondary that can cover you. So it's a big challenge, you know, but this is why you come to Nebraska. This is why you want to play in the big ten. Is why you want to play college football when you're a little boy and you get to high school and you can't wait to play in college you want to go to a big-time school so you can play in a game like this and it doesn't get much bigger than this you're playing on uh, one of the top-ranked teams in, in the country on your home field at night college game day here i mean you can't ask for much more as a, as a football player in, in college football so a big opportunity for our team and our guys but at the same time it's uh, a big challenge as well and and I know Ohio State's going to come with their A game. They know they're playing on national TV under the lights, and and so we expect their best. And it's going to take our best to to hang around and hopefully get a win on Saturday.
0: You mentioned game day. They they did announce right after the the Illinois game went final that they were going to come to Lincoln for the first time in 12 years. How big of a shot in the arm can that publicity be for the program?
3: Well, there's just a lot of people to watch, obviously, and. Uh, we've been watching for, what, 20, 30 years, college game day, whatever it's been, and, and people tune in. The ratings are huge. Uh, recruits watch that show. It's a great chance for us to show off. The state of Nebraska, our fan base, our, our, um, our city, the city of Lincoln, our football stadium, you know, there's, it's a great opportunity for us to, to show everybody what we're all about and the support that we get here. It's a really special place. They haven't been here in 12 years. And, and so uh, we need to remind everybody that, that we have great fans here and, and that this is a tough place to play. And so uh, it's a big deal for us. And I'm proud of our guys that, that they got the win Saturday. And that's really what, what allowed game day to come here. Now we have to take advantage of it and uh, put on a good show for everybody.
0: Game day had been here, I think this is the seventh time they're coming to Lincoln, so it happened while you were a player. Were you aware of it? Did it distract you during the week as a player? What do you remember about that?
3: Uh, you know, I'd, back then, I mean, we were, we were constantly in the top ten, and, and so you felt like you were in a big game every week. So it, it, it wasn't that big a deal, I don't think, because we were used to it to some degree, being in huge games all the time. Having them on campus, uh, I just remember the interviews, uh, maybe a little bit more heavy media presence, which is even, you know, amped up even more now than, than it was back then. So uh, I hope it's not a distraction for our guys. They know they're going to be here, but they'll be at the hotel watching it, you know, from – eight blocks away, just like they'd be watching part of it if they were in the in a different city. So uh, I don't think it's going to affect our guys as a player, but but you know they're there, and you know that there's just a little bit more of a spotlight on your game that week than maybe any other throughout the year.
0: Will you be the guest picker?
3: <laughs> it will not be me. <laughs> I don't have the list, Greg. I think that they had a list of about, oh, a thousand people, and I, I didn't make that list. So <laughs> – Uh, You know, it's going to be fun, though. We'll see who it ends up being. But I think our fans should be excited for this weekend. It's going to be a big opportunity for people to come out early and and, uh, be a part of it and and really show America the, the support that we have and the commitment we have to our football team here in Nebraska.
0: All right. Well, rest up, be fired up. We'll see you in the booth Saturday. All right, buddy. Thank you. There he is, Matt Davison, joining us on our Sports on a Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. I keep checking, and I'm, I've not been contacted to be the guest picker.
2: It, it, I've not gotten a Someone text. Someone in or... our office told me I was a finalist, so I've at least made the first round of cuts. Well, con- congratulations. Thanks. Good for you. If,
0: you know, uh, the boys in the back have a theory, and I think they got a good one. What's the theory? Bud Crawford. I
2: That was my first suggestion. I'd be in for that. Uh, loves the Oscars. Lives in Omaha. Why not? Perfect. Fights a lot on ESPN. Won't pick Ohio State. Of course, I wouldn't pick Ohio State with him sitting next to him. Yeah, he might, but uh, that'd be pretty good.
0: I, I, I think Bud Crawford would be a really good pick for this thing, so – um, they got some options here in Nebraska. I know they go some places and they don't really have a lot of options. They got options here. There's yes. some people here that you could get. Gabrielle Union wouldn't be bad either. And she's already said she's going to be here. Yeah, She's coming back with her husband, Dwayne Wade. He'd be okay. that? He'd be okay too, right? He'd be all right. Pick up a couple more clips here, Brett, from uh, Scott Frost press conference today. Uh, we had callers in hour one talking about the special teams play on Saturday night. Here was the head coach about that
1: you know, up until that last game, I thought our special teams had made huge improvements. We didn't kick it well at all. Um, Didn't punt it very well. Uh, Kicked some line drives that were very returnable in the kickoff game, had penalties on special teams. Uh, So we didn't play a very good game in that phase. Um, So we had a lot of emphasis put on that this week. Ohio State's the reason they're such a good team, they're really good on offense, they're really good de- on defense, and they're really good on special teams. And they keep pressure on you in all three phases. So we need to be at our best in, in uh, all three phases of the game as well.
0: And then he continued to talk more about the penalties and some of the issues that the special teams have
1: had in recent weeks. The penalties are easier to address. You know, we, we jumped off sides on a field goal that was important and we ran out of bounds on kickoff coverage. And um, those things are easier to address. Um, We need our kickers to hit it better. I thought uh, Pristap did a good job last week kicking off for us, and and this week it was out of bounds, and uh, some line drives are very returnable. Uh, You can't give good teams those opportunities. So um, we'll address those things, and Coach DeWitt will address those things where he needs to.
2: Needs to be cleaned up. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely need to get fixed. Can't do that against great teams and expect to win. No. And, you know, those line drive kicks,
0: Illinois got good field position. They didn't bust one completely down the field. They did get one down in the Nebraska territory, but there was a hold on the return, so it came back, thank goodness. You do that to, like, a team like Ohio State, and they're going to stick in the end zone. That's going to be six points if you give them an opportunity to return a kick. Like that. All right, need to take a break, 866 Hosker one 487 5371 We'll take some more calls, and we'll try to sneak in a few more clips from the head coach next. Greg Shot, Ben McLaughlin with you here on a Monday night. Again, the head coach had a press conference earlier today. We've been playing you some clips kind of recapping the Illinois game. Now let's turn our attention to Ohio State. Coached by first-year guy Ryan Day, who's done a tremendous job. He coached those first three games last year when Urban Meyer was suspended. Urban then stepped away at the end of the season, and Ryan Day was promoted on up. He also falls off the Chip Kelly tree as he is a New Hampshire graduate, which is where Chip Kelly was the head coach before going to Oregon. Here's Scott Frost talking about
1: Ryan Day. Number one, he, he's got a really talented team. Um, they're good in all three phases. They have, I think, future Sunday players um, all across their lineup. Um, he's really smart. I met Ryan for the first time at a Chip Kelly golf tournament in Maine uh, many years ago. Um, He's done a good job everywhere he's gone, climbed, climbed the coaching ranks and landed in a good spot. And uh, there's no question in my mind that Ohio State's a better team right now than they were a year ago.
2: He has done a heck of a job. He just It's been seamless. You know, and that was the big worry. Is this guy, and it, and it seemed laughable at the time to even suggest it, but is this guy going to be another Lincoln Riley? You know, any, any young, hot shot, Coach that that gets handed the reins at a prestigious university out of the chute, following a legend. You you gotta wonder. You know that's the comparison that's going to be made. NFL, yeah. Is he Sean McVay? Right. And most times the answer is no, but in this case, the certain the answer is at least a maybe. The early returns
0: have been very yes. positive with him because he looked he did a great job in those three games to start last year. And then he kind of took the step back, let Urban grab the headlines. And then what they've done the first four weeks, pretty remarkable stuff. You mentioned the name Chase Young earlier in the program. He's an outstanding defensive end. If you go to any NFL draft board for next April's draft, Chase Young, you don't have to go down very far to find Chase Young. He would be in the top five, six picks next year for the draft. A terrific defensive lineman. And that defense got a lot of speed, the secondary making plays all over the place in their first four weeks here's the coach talking about chase young and that ohio state defense
1: he's a creature out there he physically just looks as imposing as any uh player that i've seen on tape in a long time um you know we have to be aware of where he is and and do a good job on him Uh, we also can't cripple ourselves by focusing too much on him so because there's a lot of other good players on the defense as well so um yeah, we, we'll know where he is. We're going to challenge our guys to do a good job, try to give them help where we can, and uh, hope for the best.
0: He's really good. Well, Nebraska neutralized him quite a bit last year in the game at Ohio State. I'm sure the Ohio State coaches are going to remind Chase Young,
2: you didn't have a good game against Nebraska last year. You need to turn that around. He is scary to watch. I remember his freshman year. I don't remember who they were playing, but – I had the TV on for maybe 30 seconds, and he ripped a block, sacked a quarterback, forced a fumble. I go, who is that guy? And I, sure enough, I looked him up, and I still, I still remember looking at his recruiting, recruiting profile from my living room on my couch, and it goes, five-star, one of the top three overall players in the country. I, if I remember right, he's from the Maryland area. And I'm like, yep, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, this is this is about par for the. So this guy isn't what you call a hidden gem. <laughs> this- yeah, he was a very much discovered gem, and he found his way to Columbus. All right, on the other side of the
0: ball, um, call it fortunate, call it lucky, call it whatever you want. Ohio State, their quarterback last year, Dwayne Haskins, goes to the NFL. Tate Martell transfers out of the program. Justin Fields who couldn't win the job at Georgia behind Jake Fromm, decides he wants to transfer, transfers to Ohio State, and is immediately made eligible. This one has burned me for six months. I've talked about it a lot on this show. He's been uh, amazing the first month of the season uh, running that offense for Ohio State. Now he's a lot like Adrian, a lot of the same skills, can really run, can throw it. And Coach Frost was asked, does it help Nebraska that they see a quarterback like Fields every day?
1: You know, I hadn't seen much of Justin Fields. I didn't know how how good he would be uh, becoming eligible at Ohio State. He, he's impressive. Um, he throws it really well, runs it really well. Their offense has been efficient. Uh, they got playmakers all over the field to help him. So, um, yeah, he, he's a pretty special player. Um, you know, we do have a couple quarterbacks that run pretty well and throw it pretty well. So, we'll give the best slip to our defense that we can and. Uh, see if we can try to mirror what he does a little bit good
2: player yeah Uh, again I agree it doesn't make a lot of sense how it gets eligible but I don't want to make it look like sour grapes just this week so I don't really want to address it this week but we've been talking about it a lot on our show since it happened and you know he's tearing it up he's doing a great job He's the real deal.
0: All right, uh, we've been mentioning this throughout the program as well. Game day is coming, ESPN's game day show, which will start at 8 a.m. Saturday and go up to 11 until the first game kickoff on ESPN that day. Has not been in Lincoln since 2007. It'll be the seventh. Or it's been here seven other times, but again, not since 2007 when Nebraska hosted USC. The coach was asked, "Is this could this be a distraction this week?
1: You know, that's why I'm not that worried about the distraction of that. As a player, I, I never even noticed anything. Um, it was practice in the games. You know, a lot of this stuff is for the fans. Uh, people eat it up. You know, the audience at, at game day is, is big for a reason, because those guys are the best at what they do. Uh, but as a player, um, our guys certainly are going to be out there on set with with Herbie and those guys, so uh, they're going to be getting ready for a game. and. Uh, I don't. I don't think it'll distract our guys or their guys too much.
0: It is a cool thing to have. Now they've they've been at some Br- Nebraska games since '07. I remember our opening game in the Big Ten in 2011 at, at Camp Randall against Wisconsin. They were there at Wisconsin. They've been at a couple of the championship games that Nebraska has played in. I can't remember which. They were at one of the Big 12 title games, either 09 or 10. I don't remember which one. Uh, And I think they might have been at the Big 10 championship game, too. Uh, So they've been at some Nebraska games, but not in Lincoln since 07. It's an honor to get picked. They only get, you know, 12, 13 weeks of these a year to to get picked. Uh,
2: And it is a nice showcase. They'll talk about your program a lot on national TV. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this driving in, like, Alabama and Clemson get this twice a year, and they're yeah. probably just so numb to it. And and think about how much we've been even considering the idea. It's been, there's been talk about this being potential for over a year. Right. This this game being here and them being here for over a year. And, you know, it's great. And, and one of the other – to me, one of the coolest parts of game day is they typically do a story on one of the players involved in the game, and I'm hoping that it's one of our guys to where – you know, the, the country can kind of see that 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 we have here and, and that, you know, as a guy that loves interviews with our players, there's nothing more that I love than uh, a Tom Rinaldi heart-wrencher, you know, on – and you even tweeted about the one they did th- this week with Blake Anderson, with Blake Anderson yeah. and his wife, Wendy. It's just – it's perspective, it's – Admiration—it's all of those words that that you get, and you know we we've had a few guys here worthy of those, and and hoping they get some attention this week. Yeah, it's it, any kind of publicity is
0: usually a good one, uh, and it, it's it's kind of separated from the game—the games at night, the, the shows in the morning. So you should—I'm—I I, guarantee the students are going to turn out in droves and be out there and lined up. And again, they did announce this afternoon they're going to put the stage on on the east side of the football stadium. A little horseshoe driveway. They're going to set the stage up kind of in front of the NU Coliseum. So that's where they're going to be on a Saturday for game day here. And speaking of that, we do have a runs a Twitter poll up for you. Who would be your selection for the game day picker? Your options, Bud Crawford, the boxer, Gabrielle Union, the actress, Larry the Cable Guy, or other... And if you have others, leave a comment. We've had a lot of people already. We've had almost 1,000 votes in 10 minutes on this band and like 45 comments already. I got somebody tweeted to me, what about Fred Hoiberg? I'm sure he'd be honored to do that. I don't think he probably would be in the finalist for that, but who, who knows? So you have some thoughts, get on there and vote. Have you got the pull-up? Where, where are we at? What's the
2: uh, count? Uh, let's see. Let's click on her here. Now, 1,000 votes. 1,075. Now. 20% Bud Crawford. 38% Gabrielle Union, who's in the lead, 29% Larry the Cable Guy, 13% other. A lot of others. We may have to
0: read through some of those others later on. Welcome back. Monday Night Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. We've been talking a lot of college football throughout the program tonight. We're going to continue that now with our weekly visit with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Just back from Los Angeles, where you saw a pretty interesting game Friday, USC-Utah. That was pretty good. That was pretty good entertainment, wasn't it?
4: It was great. Yeah, good energy at the Coliseum. Uh, obviously a big game for Clay Helton and USC, and they found a way. It wasn't always the prettiest product. They struggled to run the ball uh, against a good Utah defense, but Utah was really messy, 16 penalties, a couple of turnovers. They couldn't convert you know, pretty good drives into points, and you know, USC loses another quarterback in Keaton Slovis. Matt Fink comes off the bench, 351 yards, three touchdowns, and USC is playing to its strengths right, right now, which is mainly the wide receiver position, as well as some active defense. And they were able to get out with a win over a top-ten opponent.
0: Well, they certainly do have some guys to throw the ball to. They were impressive uh, in that game on Friday night. Well, the, the, the nation was locked into Athens-Georgia Saturday night, and, man, that was a heck of a football game. I, I came away with an awful lot of respect for Notre Dame. What, what was your takeaway from that matchup?
4: Yeah, I, I did, too. You know, I wrote about this a little bit in the spring after Notre Dame lost to Clemson in the national semifinal 30-3. to you know, Brian Kelly had some interesting comments afterwards saying he felt his team was much, much closer to, you know, at least the Clemson level than it was when it lost to Alabama in the BCS championship game after the 2012 season. And that was interesting to me. So you know, he talked to me more about uh, you know the, the, the progress that they've made along the line of scrimmage and some other areas. Or he just feels that they're they're not far away. I think they showed that against Georgia. It's a young Notre Dame defense, uh, but they played really well against a, a strong rushing attack with DeAndre Swift and arguably the nation's best offensive line. And then offensively, they hung in there. It wasn't the best night, but they you know took a lead early. And Ian Book uh, you know looked, looked, looked he looked the part a little bit more against a better Georgia defense. They qu- couldn't quite get over the hump. A bad third quarter. It kind of doom Notre Dame, but I think they showed uh, by you know, having a chance to win that game at the end, only down six points, driving in Georgia territory, that they aren't far away from that level. And, and that's, that, that's the only level that matters at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's very forthright about that, Greg, that all he can sell is the national championship. Is it going to happen this season? Probably not, but it seems like they're closer to that level the next time they do make the college football playoffs.
0: Okay, so the, the, the debate is, if they run the table from here and that's their only loss... Do they have a chance, or are you ready to write them off yet?
4: Well, you know, again, I think there's a couple of factors. They're going to need, you know, some real chaos in the SEC, which is possible. They're going to need those teams to start beating each other up and talking about, obviously, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, uh, you know, even Auburn um, is, in that, is in that mix. Uh, so they're, they're going to need some help there. You're probably going to need some help in the Big 12 or the Big 10 as Oklahoma, Texas are still in that conversation, Ohio State, and Wisconsin still in the conversation, I guess Penn State too, in the Big 10. But, uh, and the other thing that hurts Notre Dame in my eyes a little bit, Greg, is that the you know, ACC, ACC schedule that they have, the agreement, it doesn't exactly offer them up a ton. To improve their resume. They get Virginia this week that's an undefeated team, but that's really it. They don't get a Clemson. They don't get much else, and so they're going to need that Michigan win on the road to be valuable. They're going to need USC to be a valuable win, and I just don't know if that's going to be enough when all is said and done to get ahead of some of those other contenders.
0: Yeah, it'll be a, I, I think we'll be debating this come December. I may be wrong, but I, I think we could. I don't think we're going to be debating much about Michigan. That was a train wreck for them, and I know Wisconsin played really well, but that was a dominant performance. What, what are you hearing? How noisy is it right now in Ann Arbor?
4: Yeah, it's certainly noisy. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh, to his credit, took full responsibility for everything. Basically said from A to Z, it was a a disastrous performance, you know, a really tough day for Michigan. And I think there's a couple of pieces here. You know, in talking to coaches and analysts that have studied Michigan, there's a a personnel piece and maybe a schematic piece. They obviously made a change on offense going to Josh Gaddis. They've not achieved that, quote, speed and space type of mantra that they're trying to, to, to get on that side of the ball. But they also recruited players for a different system. They recruited a quarterback. Who's different? They recruited receivers who don't necessarily fit that model, so it's going to take some time. They have to stop turning the ball over. Con- you know, three consecutive uh, games now they've had fumbles on their opening possession. That just uh, leaves a bad taste. And then defensively, coaches have told me that they're, you know, that aggressiveness is starting to catch up with them. I-, I looked it up today, Greg. The last three power five opponents, uh, that's uh, you know, Wisconsin, Florida, in the bowl game, and obviously Ohio State, averaged almost six and a half yards per run against Michigan. That's a really concerning stat if you're Don Brown and that Michigan defense. And then there's also the other piece, which is psychologically, are they just beaten in in these games, these road games, these big time opportunities? Are they just psyching themselves out? Uh, Because it keeps happening over and over and over. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. So clearly work to do for Jim Harbaugh and his staff.
0: Can Wisconsin get themselves into that national picture at all?
4: Absolutely. You know, now they're going to have to ultimately play well on the road. Uh, You know, they they have Ohio State later in the season, but uh, that was a huge moment for them. I know last year we thought it was the year that Wisconsin was going to take the step. You know, they're coming off of a 14-win season, Orange Bowl champion, and they didn't, obviously. They fell far short. But I I think people who understand the Big Ten and, and know the Wisconsin program, really since Barry Alvarez got it going in the early 90s, understood that this program was not going to stay down, for very long and they have come back with a vengeance they're much better on defense jim leonard doing a really nice job building up that secondary obviously jonathan taylor has been terrific that offensive line uh, has been much much better around him and uh and, and obviously jack cohen at quarterback has been has been better so a lot of positive things to wisconsin ultimately they're gonna have to play well away from camp randall yeah
0: A terrific game in College Station on Saturday as well as Auburn picks up their second. Very impressive win of the year as they go win on the road against the Aggies. Auburn's making some noise here early in the year, aren't they?
4: They are. I, I think, arguably, no team in the country, Greg, has two more impressive wins when you consider the location yeah. than Auburn. You know, neutral site win against Oregon in Week One. Oregon may turn out to be the best team in the Pac-12, and then they go on the road to, to A&M, and A&M is a little bit overrated. I don't think they're quite there yet this year, but. Still, with a freshman quarterback, offense is not playing at a high level. But one thing, that, in talking to someone on the Auburn staff this week, they're not an explosive offense, but they're not putting their defense in bad position. Kind of like you know the opposite of Michigan. They're not turning the ball over. They're not giving the other team short field. And they're relying on their own defense, which is arguably the best in the SEC, to make a lot of plays, and they've done that. Uh, so very impressed with Gus Malzahn's crew. I think he, at least right now, is off the hot seat. They have still a very tough schedule left with Florida, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, still on the schedule, but Auburn has to feel very good about itself right now. Adam,
0: what's going on at Houston? Uh, some noise about some players wanting to, yeah. to leave or redshirt because their season's off to a bad start. Well, what's going on down there?
4: Sure. Well, this is obviously the the, the new era. As a defensive coordinator in the AAC told me, welcome to college football in 2019, where you know Derek King and one of their other receivers. You know, initially the report was that Derek King, their star quarterback was going to redshirt and leave the program and enter the transfer portal. He ultimately uh, decided to uh, release a statement along with one of his teammates saying that indeed he is redshirting, but the intent, at least right now, is to return for uh, the 2020 season. Houston's off to a rough start. They lost that that heartbreaker last Thursday at Tulane. And, And obviously players have this right now, Greg, with the redshirt rule era. We just haven't seen it where a healthy player, especially a starting quarterback, has essentially shut himself down, and he's staying, at least right now. Now, I don't think anyone, anyone would really be shocked if Derek King ends up transferring and ends up playing somewhere else, but at least right now he's saying he wants to remain a Houston Cougar, but just not playing the rest of the season. So we'll see if other players end up doing the same thing.
0: Just bizarre, really bizarre. All right, what's ahead for you? What are you doing this weekend?
4: Come under your neck of the woods, brother. I'll be All there right. at Lincoln uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, a little bit of a last-minute trip, and uh, you know, travel was a little bit tricky, but I will, I will make it there. So hopefully, I'll get to see you before the game, and, and excited to see if the if the Huskers can pull off an upset in a much much anticipated game. And uh, as great as, as the Nebraska fans are, it's really cool to see college game day back and all the buzz around the program as they host a very, very talented Ohio State team. Yeah, it's
0: been 12 years since they've been here. Justin Fields, man, Adam, I, I, I knew he was good. I didn't know he would take to this offense as well as he has. They they have been just – they've just been mashing people, haven't they, the first month?
4: They have, and you know, there's a couple things that have jumped out to me, Greg, in terms of Fields. You know, the buzz on him at Georgia last year in practice, and even at Ohio State in the offseason, was that he threw too many interceptions. The decision-making wasn't there. You know, the coach told me, is he going to throw it to the right team this year? And no interceptions through the first few games. Very encouraging. Now they haven't you know, faced great competition, although Cincinnati has a pretty good defense. I think it's going to be imperative that Nebraska gets in his face and tries to force him into some questionable decisions because the Ohio State defense, as you've seen, is just a completely different different unit from what we saw last year and we knew that they had talent but they were so dysfunctional so prone to, to busts and breakdowns and you know greg madison and jeff halfley and al washington some of the new assistants coming in from michigan and other places have really uh you know gotten them back on course so right now they're a complete football team but they have not faced i think a, a test like they will on saturday night well, they look like
0: a machine to me adam we'll we'll see you at the at the stadium on saturday we appreciate it thank you thanks greg you bet adam rittenberg of espn.com Press conference day today, we always hear from John Cook on Mondays, then Fred Hoiberg, and they bring players for football. And in addition today, Fred Hoiberg was up there today. Huskers will start basketball practice. Actually, the women start tomorrow. Amy Williams' Huskers will have their first uh, workout for the upcoming season tomorrow. The men will start on Wednesday. And then uh, Friday night will be that slash open kind of house uh, into the concert with Rick Ross performing After the basketball team will put on a a little bit of a show, I think they're going to do some three-point contests, maybe a dunk contest, and then maybe scrimmage for just a few minutes uh, and then be introduced to the crowd. The women's team will also be introduced to the crowd. That thing is sold out. How cool is that? And it's going to be a big weekend for the basketball team. They have a lot of uh, recruiters, recruits coming in, some that are official, some that are unofficial visits uh, for recruiting. So it'll be a big weekend for men's basketball here in Nebraska. But it just floors me that – September the 25th is the first basketball practice. That just seems crazy to to me that that's uh, what's going to be happening. But it is on Wednesday. Huskers' first and only exhibition game will be against Doan on Wednesday, October the 30th. So we're about a month away from that. And then they'll open the season up on Tuesday night. November the 5th is when they will start the season. So the Fred Hoiberg era of Husker basketball about ready to get underway. But it was great to see head coach Fred Hoiberg today brought a couple of uh, players up as well. The media day for the Big Ten Conference is next Wednesday in Chicago. We're going to have Ben in Chicago next Wednesday. Coach Hoiberg announced today that Hanif Cheatham, Cam Mack, and Gervais Green will be the three Huskers that will be accompanying him to media day in Chicago. So we'll have Ben with boots on the ground in Chicago a week from Wednesday to cover the Big Ten's basketball media day. That seems early too, right? Nice. October the 2nd for that. But it's here. Uh, well, a lot of folks are certainly excited and getting geared up and ready for college basketball to get cranked up and going. Well, what a show tonight. Great to hear from so many of you tonight. Your thoughts about the Illinois game and getting fired up and ready for the Ohio State game this weekend. Again, game day will be here. We've got a Twitter poll up for about who you'd like to see as the celebrity picker. That'll be active overnight, so you can get in there and vote if you're not near a device that you can... Uh, navigate right now. Go do that throughout the night or tomorrow as well. Tomorrow night, John Cook's Volleyball Radio Show, Top 10 Tuesday. Should be a good night. Thanks to Ben, to Brett, to Austin, and to all of you. Have yourself a good night. Good night.